And it's just, just that, was that his first role in Dune? His first major role. Okay. This is the 70s. It's the 70s movie, right? No. no 80s. 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 1980. Yeah, the 70s one oh ever got made. Oh, God, Todd. What? That would have been awesome. <clears throat> would have been awesome what? If you had got him a complete set of the 70s movie. <laughs> oh, jeez. <That laughs> there was very, a 70s movie? Very rare. Very, very 80s, rare. 84. You got Raban on there? When you go, yeah. when you go far, that far back. I will kill him. That okay. isn't no. That was uh, no. That was Fade Ralph. Oh, yeah. Fade. Wow. Yeah. yeah, played by Sting. Yeah, but that was yeah. a really interesting read for that line. A very young, <laughs> very sweaty. Him. Sting. I look at him. Oh, he would be in the he would be in the, the back half of these. So let's see. <laughs> Why was Sting always so sweaty in that movie? That's what I want to know. Well, he's sweaty in real life. You can't help is it, he? Jeff. He's a. It's talent. He's the way he is. Talent he oozes sweats from every pore. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> he doesn't actually say it. Oh, hold He's on, maybe. Build, oh. busy building a fortress around his heart. Yeah. That's right. All that tantric sex. Sing, singing about <laughs> blue turtles. <laughs> what did he say? He had an hour long orgasm with the tantra. Yeah. Oh, the tantric <laughs> method. Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Uh. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> the Harkonnen love their children, too. <laughs> I'd love that. You'd just be walking outside really? of the monastery and you hear Barry from the inside. I don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'd be more Show like... Show me the quick and dirty. Like a whole hour? I don't what? have time for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Except when he's in the bathroom and then that is it. It's my time in here. My time. Nothing comes out. Where does it go? Am I just a, oh! a quote generator for you people? Is, <laughs> yeah, is you that, are. Is that my purpose? You are the Vlarg GPT. <laughs> oh, well, no, we, no, we, we couldn't figure out what other purpose you serve, so... Yeah. Oh, you know, wow. had to go with what we... Slappity slap. And note he didn't say interesting quote generator. <laughs> ah, that's true, too. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 668. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. Die Hard is a Christmas movie vlog. And Dub. And we're here to talk week and geek. Matt gave us all a wonderful gift. We we did a little, a little, uh, a bit of Christmas just yeah. before the show. Because uh, some people can't be here for, we have like a little friends miss that we do every year. Uh, and some can't be there. So we did some gift stuff here. Uh, Matt... What did you get, everyone? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything. I didn't get anyone. Anymore. It's like it's like I, I I set him up for t-ball and he still whiffed it. <laughs> I got everybody. Well, everybody except Vlarg, because he got the best gift. I think. Oh yeah. Uh, Die Hard Christmas ornament, and it's uh, McLean. when he's in the the air vent. Air vent, which would wouldn't hold you up anyways. So I've been yeah. in those. But uh, yeah. I learned the hard way. Yes, <laughs> my, I have a previous job. You can't actually walk through those, but uh, yeah, it's a movie. So he's uh, it lights up too. I want to open one, but uh, nobody wants to open it, so we can see what it looks like. You, you, you know what, Barry? When you when you said uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie, Vlarg, uh, you missed the entire body tension that uh, that Deb was going through when you, as wow. you said that. Like I. Every muscle in her body tensed up with anger. <laughs> it was so funny. And then I got Vlarg uh, 
dress socks that has the Nakatomi logo on there, and it says Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Die Hard is my Christmas movie, it says. Okay. And they will be worn on Christmas. Nice. <laughs> and and Deb is just shaking her head. She is She's a very so Well, because, first of all, Uh-oh. it's not your Christmas movie. Bad Santa is. It will be for, for, for one day. <laughs> That's while a good point. Socks. But, but listen Christmas to this. Day. Listen to this, listener. <laughs> I gave this Deb's opening. I just see the rage. She goes, I'm going to donate this. I'm going to donate this. And I was like, wow. Right in front of him. Yeah. Man. Wow. Thanks for not the e- gift. Not even, not, even, not even thank you. And then I see it on someone else's Christmas tree. And I'm like, wait a second. Not even a re-gift. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Kirsten, why do you have two of these? What a bitch. That went south so fast. I mean, I probably wouldn't mind so much if it didn't say Christmas ornament on it and just said ornament. Wow. Yeah. So an Easter ornament then? Any ornament. They make ornaments for all occasions now. Like a Kwanzaa ornament? Kwanzaa's Christmas as well. Yes. But just. Is it? I don't know. Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa Don? Festivus? Festivus. It's okay. it's not that she just disagrees that it's a Christmas movie. She adamantly, venomously disagrees. Mm. Yes. Mm. We'll have to have a pirate. We're day not tree. even entitled to our own opinion. We're just wrong, apparently. <laughs> You're entitled to your own opinion, and it's not mine. <laughs> and you will never change mine. No matter how many clips you send me or things you say or whatever the fuck. Because I'm not even watching that shit. So I, I, I sent to the group critical analyses of uh, how Christmas movies are structured and how Die Hard fits that, and I'm still apparently wrong. <laughs> I love that you're, you're attempting it so hard. Next year, we are getting as a group a Die Hard advent calendar. Oh, yes. I'll design well, that. Have you have you seen the one? Uh, somebody has one It'll online. all broken glass. Where it's just it's Hans Gruber falling from the top of the Nakatomi Plaza. And each day it goes down until you get to Christmas. <laughs> yeah. It goes yeah. down one floor. It's pretty awesome. And like That's, the bottom floor is like ketchup. Get behind that. Something like that. I don't know. But it's it was pretty awesome. I like it. So thank you, Geek Shack listeners, and especially our Kofi members. Thank you so much for supporting the show, which we will get on to what geeky things you here we, we're getting well, ready for minute, Christmas. Todd. We didn't get to, to report what you got for Christmas. Oh. Yeah. Oh we oh that. <laughs> Yeah. I got a puzzle. Is uh-huh. that all you yeah. got? And it's not just a puzzle. It is one of those mystery puzzles. Like, you have to read the mystery, and then you don't get a picture of the puzzle. You have to, based on what you read on there, put the puzzle together and solve the mystery with the picture after the puzzle's together. That actually so is pretty cool. It's really, really awesome. Yeah. Well, Kirsten, since you're the proxy for the, the, mm-hmm. the gift, why oh, don't you, you tell oh, wait, everybody what you, you mean got? the other gift. Yeah. The other gift. Uh, that was a Hellraiser keychain. That was really awesome. <laughs> no, no, no. The other gift. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I got uh, a, a Die Hard Christmas ornament. No, no, no. The oh. other other oh. gift. Oh, you mean the one from Pat. The, the Pat Spurl gift. Yeah, yeah. that gift. Oh, I wasn't here for that. Let it me. Was, oh, it was, oh, oh, you, oh, you, oh, you haven't it. seen this no. yet. Oh, oh you my God. hasn't seen Great. this. Great. I'm going to unwrap it again live, <laughs> live on the show. So here it is a beautiful, tall red bag. The kind that when you see it, you think, oh, Booze. liquor or wine. Yes. Yep. That's wonderful. And then the little, little gig on the top. 
And there's your first example there uh, pulling up a celery, a bow tied (laughs) open, not even in the plastic wrapping (laughs) celery. Uh, And thank you, Pat, for allowing this to enter my life in such a hold it up, Todd, one more time in such a festive way. Oh, you're just just glorious. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll put that on the Facebook or the whatever the fuck we're on. (laughs) We're on all of those things. Uh, So, yes. So what? uh, Thank you, Pat. (laughs) What geeky things did you do this week? Well, we're going to make sure you eat that. Uh, No, you're not. Everyone. uh, Not without peanut butter. You're not. um. Although, you know what? Celery and peanut butter? Mm, Fine. With raisins. With raisins, yes. Have you tried it with cheese? on a log? Uh, I don't think I have tried it. Actually, cheese yeah, that's not bad too. Cheese yes. whiz and yeah, have and you celery. tried it in a salad? <laughs> Look at him. Yes. He eats salads every single day. Yes. Clearly. <laughs> or or in beef stew, Barry. A, a proper oh, Waldorf yes. or tuna salad, yes. Oh, Waldorf. I, I actually really like it in black pepper chicken. Huh. I love celery as an ingredient. It just like eggs make crunch. a yeah. fine yeah. ingredient, but on its own, fuck I, off. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I don't like when you bite into celery and you get. Well, when did this become celery cast? When Jeff made it that. Oh, I'm when da- Pat I'm down made with it, it that. When Pat made it that. <laughs> okay, it's celery cast now. There you go. So, I'm going to have to make new t shirts and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Eat pluribus celery. New, new <laughs> logo, new. Our, so I know Christmas and, time, very busy. Time, everyone's running around because Christmas equals stress. So, Deb, were you able to find any time to do any geeky things this week? Um, yes, I did, actually. Um, sorry. Knocking Kirsten's water over. She's invading his space, yes, too. Yes, I am. Apology. Meh. It's all over the place. So, I did actually finish a couple of books Ooh. in the last week that I have been reading. I... First of all, I used to be one of those people who hated reading multiple books at a time. And in, I don't know, sometime in the last like five-ish years or so, I've realized that I, there's no way I'm ever getting through my list of must-reads unless I do that. So some are audiobooks, some I read, some I read on digital platform while I'm traveling. So I've been reading a lot of books. So I have finally finished some of them. The first one is Atlas Six. So I picked this up at the airport in October. A friend of mine had suggested it. She was the trip that I did in October while I wasn't here. She read it, couldn't put it down, and was just all like, couldn't stop talking about this book. It's interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> Always a fine choice of words. Yes. The, for the pause you. says everything yeah. we need to know. So Atlas Six is it's a fantasy series. It's magic based. It takes place in current day society. Um, but the it's called Atlas because one of the main characters who runs the Alexandrian Society is named Atlas. And the Alexandrian Society is just like it sounds. So it is a collection of what was in the library at Alexandria that they then protected and hid away from the world so that it wouldn't get destroyed you know, by all the wars and all of these things. And in this world, magicians or magic users, the general public knows they exist. They are a small portion of the population. And magic, you're not born with magic. Magic chooses you. So, like, um, you start to get, you know, signs of talent and things. And depending on 
where you stand in social standings and things allows you to attend better magical schools or not. So there's like different ranks within the magical community. You have like witches and uh, warlocks and then you have actual like, you know, magicians and cast. Depends on their schooling and their training. And everybody has an inert, like an innate ability that is pretty much what they can do is they haven't really talked much about like general magic. It sounds like everybody can kind of cast spells, but everybody has an indefinite like super power within magic if they can do magic. And some people it's shape-shifting. Some people it's they can actually like move the forces of like gravity and molecules and like it's weird. The thing I do like about this series is a lot of the descriptive text about some of how that works it's almost like physics. So it's like a really good mixture of physics and, and magic, the way that it's described. However, the feel of this book, I don't know. It, it's kind of like they're, they throw them in automatically. There are six people who are against each other. And by the end of the year, someone doesn't get chosen. And it's very clear very quickly what ends up happening with that said person who doesn't get chosen for the, the five that get to go on for the next they get eaten class and i don't know um i might read the next there's supposed to be three books in this series the second book is already out i might pick up the next one just to see if she does a little bit better with making you feel more invested in the characters in the storyline is it that they're too that the characters are too thin or you just you don't like them enough to care there's a couple actually I do, but most of them I don't. There is a couple of characters you do like, and it's very clear that I think a lot of people is their favorites. And um, they're two like best friends, and one's a roommate, and the other one is like um, not almost like a twin power of somebody else in the group, and like a yin and yang type team. I don't know. It's it's you think the story's going one way, and then at the very end, she just it feels like she very haphazardly through this whole other twist in and I get yay surprise twists, but it didn't feel right. If like that makes it was sense. Forced by the author. Yes. Like it felt really forced. Like, Oh my God, I forgot. I'm supposed to in this book in 20 pages and holy shit, I haven't even brought this up. So let's, <laughs> let's get to it. That's what it's, that's what it felt like. Oh, okay. So I don't Ed- know. Editor sends an email. Where's the twist? Right. Uh... <laughs> right. That's, that's kind of how it felt. So we'll see. I don't know. It, and the the author is Olivia Olivia Blake. It's L O sorry O L I V I E. So Olivia, mm. not Olive, but Olivia, I think. And I haven't looked to see what else she has written or what else she has done, but it definitely feels more like a more you know beginning writer novel series. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, I'm I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm not going to read it. <laughs> based on that suggestion wow. but there are yeah. things about it that I do find interesting oh, I like that whole perfect. I like when somebody Not takes a reading. magic system and tries to scientifically break it down yes that can I be do fun. too and they, they do that sometimes in Dresden too still can't like, believe none of you guys have actually read any of the Dresden books I've read one and book, a half that book kind of reminds me of the um, redone Mortal Kombat movie did you watch that did you watch that yes where they just like the key chooses you, like you you get your chosen key power, like Kano with the eye blast and fire. Yeah, they. Oh yeah, the the, the more recent yes. reboot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where it kind of just chooses you. That's how they get their powers or their yeah. moves or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's better than the original ones. Uh, you know, I don't know if better is the right word, but 
It's certainly different. <laughs> I don't think I need an explanation for Mortal Kombat powers. Yeah. You, you got them or you don't. And you, you enter the contest because you got them. Right. It's like Star Wars. They should never have tried to explain force powers. Just let that just be. Yeah. I, or, I, just, I, or just go with simple, like, well, your mind manipulates the force once you become aware of it and yeah. you learn. Don't explain it. You I know, don't need the no, explanation. No, it's it's why it works. Yeah, Barry is right. Uh, Mortal Kombat and Star Wars are the same. Well, I was going to say, uh, Obi-Wan says it best in, in Empire, where he's just talking about how it's it's an energy field that f- connects all living things. Right. That's like, all the explanation that's all we all needed, needed to know. Needed. Like Star Trek, every, however, every, we need explanation for everything. But that's different. It's sci-fi. It's not space opera. And it's just it's, it, it makes sense, too, because like every living thing is aware of the Force either on a subconscious level or a conscious level. That is true, so, but there's always a reserve power source. Always. You know, like, we need uh, reserve from engineering. Get the reserve power. Reserve yeah. this. Reserve that. Take it from that. life support if you take, have to. Take power from this. Take. They always got like a power somewhere. Yeah, they don't mention I it, know. but the warp core is just filled with magic. That's what the blue <laughs> stuff is. <laughs> hey. What else you do, Deb? So I also finished the first book of the uh, the Temeraire series, which I did mention as well. So the first book is His Majesty's Dragon. I really enjoyed this. Like, I, I, I didn't really get to explain the world when I brought it up before, just that the way that she writes, how the dragon talks, reminds me so much of my cat. It's ridiculous. And, yes. like, the dragon's personality is just very, like, you're all here to serve me and answer my questions and <laughs> do that. And it's kind of how I saw it's, dragons it's amazing. anyway. I, I know. I know, right? But the cool thing about this series is it takes place in um, Bonaparte, France, oh, the, the Napoleonic era. Yes, so they they she mixes, you know, it's like an alternate history type of thing where it is during the the Napoleonic Wars, but dragons exist, and every nation in the world has dragons, and they use the dragons in combat, so they're a part of their military, they're part of their army, and every dragon, just like in a lot of um, dragon stories you've seen, D and D is a great example. Depending on its size or color, its type, it has a different ability essentially that it does no wow, so no, they actually, totally ripped off that other book you read <laughs> <laughs> man so um everyone but only one there's only like two dragons that actually like breathe acid or do any of those types of things most of them um are just very they're brute force animals that fly and can carry people and they're an additional like artillery unit for the military so um I love history, so it's a great combination for me of fantasy and history. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I think the series in total has like nine or ten books that she wrote for this. Um, she started them in the early 2000s. So I'm really excited to see what she does with them. I, and it's Naomi Novik is okay. the author. I, I, when you were talking, I was like, this sounds really familiar to me. I, have, I haven't read it, but this was part of a uh, red light, green light that we've had in the past. Yeah, uh, it's Fox is still planning on turning it into an animated series. Yeah. It would, uh, it would, it would be actually. Uh, you're almost surprised it's not a uh, anime. Actually, that that it's totally anime. You know, if you think about it, Napoleonic dress and dragons and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, it would. I could totally see that happening. You know? I could see Sharp on the back of one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sean Bing, the one time he doesn't die. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Through the whole series. Yeah. yeah. Then I then I can't watch it. 
Yeah. It's a good show. I can't see him play against type. Oh. <laughs> Sean it's crazy, Bean, dude. Sean Bean in anything and then Vaughn Armstrong in anything Star Trek. It's yeah. like it's like it's every character he plays dies. Yeah, yeah. really. In the first season or the first show. And yeah. you said you had three books. Oh, um sorry. I went off my notes. No, for right now those are the first the only two that I have finished. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I'm still in the process of reading a few. Oh, okay, of yes. course. You know including the, the most recent draft version of the J.R. Conkle. Awesome. Yes. Deb, when you get a chance, you can talk about this book with Paulette. Because I got her the trilogy way back when we were playing fourth edition fourth at edition. your house. Yes. So a long time that? ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got her the, the... The Tremere series. Oh, nice. Yeah, so the book I'm... Get on it, Paulette. There you go. The physical book I'm reading it from is like a compilation of the first three. (laughs) She's had 10 years. She's got enough time. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Should be done by now. And then we did watch the two-episode premiere of National Treasure on Disney. Let's crack open that can of worms. Uh Uh-oh. I also saw it. It was disappointing. It was disappointing. (laughs) Disappointing. Two thumbs down. So the listener, you can't see Jeff's face, but he goes, I also saw it, and he looked at the table. Yeah. Like he just looked down. Just kind of stared like his soul I, was sitting there. Like the Declaration of Independence was right there. Yeah. I just don't. Like he spent 10 hours baking a cake and it came out all gross. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 only two episodes in, but I don't know where they're going with this. I hate the word because only. Only there. Okay. If it's like a 24 episode season, like, like first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, where it took a few episodes to find its... You know, well, maybe that's how I still season. approach those types of things because There's I'm only still like thinking, eight or ten episodes. Uh, but yeah, now that you're only getting like six to ten episodes, I get what you're saying, Barry. I think it's just my, you know, years of approaching it the same direction. It's like, well, I've got to, you know, see where this is going. You know, maybe it's the sunk cost fallacy. I, I don't know, but um, Barry, it's Jeff. Change is difficult. No, no, no. You know, it's. <laughs> I'll take what he said. I'll take what he said. And yeah, of course, obviously, that's true. But uh, <laughs> um, there is something else to it. I love the original National yeah, Treasure yeah. films. Absolutely love them. Um, and I had a lot of hope for this. Mm-hmm. And I, bullshit. Would, I I read a lot of hope for this. <laughs> yeah, I know. Bullshit. Yeah, I call yeah. 100% bullshit on that statement. Really? Because you love the original so much, there is no way that this was going to stack up without that character involved. But I had hope. Okay? <laughs> right. Isn't it cuz isn't this really isn't this really Nicolas Cage's kind of charisma yeah, carrying a, this a little bit but there's the writing and then yeah. there's the caper feel to it and how yes. it doesn't have that at all yeah it, it yeah it, they've got the elements of the the protagonist being able to look at something and see patterns that other people don't see like Nick Cage did in oh the, like those Tom in, Hanks movies yes yes yeah yeah but yeah. whereas like the movie and maybe it's because it's the compressed time that you're having to deal with it's like as soon as they figure something out, then the action, you know, kicks in and they're off on to, you know, either eluding the person that's trying to trap them or they're, you know, scheming their way that to find the next tchotchke that they have to, to discover in order to solve the puzzle. Is this a so long far, story? Is this a long story? Yeah, it's so far, it's I'm just through the... moving from one puzzle to another puzzle. There's not really any action. Yeah. But the puzzles so, aren't, you're not invested. They're, they're not, not smart. They're not smart. They're like really basic, easy. It's it's really, it really feels like they wrote this for young teenagers. And there's, there's like, 
There's it like, does have a, a YA feel for sure. I here's a puzzle, grant. and then let's talk about our feelings for fucking twenty minutes, and oh, then let's YA. and then let's have another puzzle that sucks. And if they're simple puzzles, it they didn't factor in gamers. And there's four main characters, and not a one of them are likable, except maybe the Mary Sue, uh, and, and it is totally Mary Sue. I'm not going to give away the plot, but it's like, come on, there's too much coincidence there. So, like, her, like her name's Mary Sue. Right. That's that would be a, a dead giveaway. But no. Uh, and the next happy. puzzle's one of those triangles with the golf tees and the pegs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just they set things too too much up. There's no like happily finding things in a way that actually you enjoy the storyline. It just is like here and here's another tidbit and, and here's then, another tidbit yeah and here's another tidbit. I noticed that. Okay, as, as soon as I started watching the second episode and started not liking it, I looked at the runtime. The runtime on these episodes is like, what, 45, 47 minutes, something like that? Typical. Yeah. Um, the original movie was two hours, about two hours even. Yeah. Uh, they accomplished more with that two hours than this show is going to accomplish in over 10 hours of, of viewing. And I, it, it just goes so slow. Well, they got to fill multiple episodes. I'm also... They ha- Catherine Zeta-Jones is playing the stereotypical, you know, villain that's always two steps ahead of you uh, trope. But at the same time, she's behind because she doesn't have, like, the one piece. And it's like, so, so she's the Mary Sue. Uh, she uh, might as well have been twirling no. her mustache, dude. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's cookie cutter. And it's really annoying because you're sitting there like, she's a much better actor than this. And it feels like it's definitely a writing problem that they're not taking advantage of her skills in order to make this character interesting because the character is not interesting at all. No, it's not. No. It's, it's literally just like, ha-ha, I figured out what you were going to do when you were trying to fool me, and so I'm now two steps ahead of you, but oh, damn it. I still don't have the thing that, you, that I wanted from you that I need to solve my puzzle. And it's just like, ah, which is it? Are you two steps ahead or are you two steps behind? Now, as Deb said, what you're, everything you're describing to me sounds like something aimed for younger viewers. Yep. Yeah, yep. It's, it's, it definitely has a YA skew to it. Which is also disappointing because I would, I would have hoped that they would try to write it more towards the people you know, who were adults who watched the first films that mm. really enjoyed the series and understand the series. It's not like National Treasure is like a Star Wars or, you know... a, a a well, universe where cultural phenomenon. Yeah, here's it is now. Here's the thing, and I know that Steve Biggs and I have talked about this, and I think you and I have actually spoken about this before, Kirsten. With writing, when you write something and you write characters that are intriguing, it doesn't matter the age range that you're quote unquote targeting. I agree. Everybody's going to be interested if yeah. they're interesting <clears throat> characters. Sure. But if you're specifically targeting one age range. You're probably gonna fail. Yeah, yeah. Because you know you're not. You're thinking that you're targeting that range by by putting the certain you're putting limitations on yourself. Yes, exactly. You're not allowing yourself to uh, to really break out. I know a lot of people follow what I think is a completely false assumption that limitations and boundaries make for creativity, and I think that's bullshit. I think uh, you're creative or you're not, and I think that something like this. Well, we're writing for younger viewers. This is our age range, and that all that just stops. I think a lot of thinking process, creative process, just comes to a screeching halt as soon as 
from a writing standpoint, I agree with you. I, I do feel like when you're working within a limited time frame or maybe a limited budget, I think that does make you figure out ways to be creative within well, that. So I I disagree to the point that I think some limitations do enhance creativity because it makes you solve problems in a different way. But from a writing standpoint, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. You should always write your characters. You should always write your plots with interesting things in mind. Right. The, the, the way I put it, not to derail and we get into this really deep, but what I mean when I say that is that you're either creative or you're not. And limitations, what boundaries and limitations do that creative people, almost all of them, desperately need is provide focus. Yeah, well, and it that, definitely in somebody that's very that creative, helps. it brings out the best in them. But Absolutely. if you're not, if you're yes. not creative, yes, nothing's going to help you. I, I agree. You that. have to, you have to cultivate the talent. I think you can learn because I think everyone is creative. I'm, I'm a big believer. Was it John Lennon? You know, every kid's creative, and society beats it out of them. He had some way of saying that, and it's just like I think that that's true. And so overcoming those obstacles and blocks is the key to becoming creative. Uh, but, yeah. So that's that's what I mean by that. If you're not yeah, creative... I got you. You're fucked. You know, it's... Anyway. In this world, in general, think yes. about yourself. Yes. <laughs> think about what you are. Your NFTs. So you're worthless. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, anything else you do? Barry, what'd you do besides uh, hate that show? Uh, I played some video games. What'd you play? Um, Xbox Game Pass is a great thing, and everyone should get it, because I can get some zero-day games for zero dollars, and it's awesome. And uh, b before I talk about the one I really want to dig into, I also I also downloaded Dungeon the Dungeon of Nahulbik. I'm sorry. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> the Amulet of Chaos. Chicken Edition. Um, I can't. What is? I need to write this down, Barry. I'm what? The Dungeon of Nahulbek. Okay, you tell us the about that while I chaos while I take your phone and look at this. Um, <laughs> which was actually based on like a French comic or something like that. I found out later. Uh, it's a it's a dungeon crawler. It's a RPG. It's a turn based thing. So if you've ever played XCOM and things like that, it's like that. But it's uh, or or like Neverwinter Nights. It's it look it feels like fifth edition rules. Uh, you got to look out for opportunity attacks, and you're moving your characters around and going through this dungeon thing. But it's like, it's it's humor. It's funny. It's not like serious at all. Um, your characters are all from goofy. the French. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a game from like a couple years ago or whatever. What the fuck are you doing to my phone? <laughs> <laughs> I let Torgo my phone so he could he could write down the dungeon of Nohula Bag and I see him pushing buttons. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And so he's midway through a text to Deb, which I will send just so she has it. It says, My name is Barry. I'm a big dummy. I didn't get to finish. You're supposed to say big dummy head. <laughs> Why do I hang around you? Because he's funny. Just an asshole. <laughs> oh. I can't believe you let me have your phone. <laughs> I can't either. I can't believe I sit next to you in the show. Where else are you going to sit, Barry? Well played. <sighs> let me have your phone so I can read this. Anyway, play the Dungeon of Nohulabek. It's a nice little distraction. 
But the game you really should be playing is High on Life. High on Life. High on Life from the co- Let me see your from, phone so I can write that down. Fuck you. <laughs> from the co-creator of Rick and Morty and the Solar Opposites, uh, Justin Roiland, and it's got his voices on there. And if you ever heard Rick or Morty, it's his voice. Oh, it's funny. I walked in. I'm like, is this a is that Morty? Is this a Rick and Morty game? And he's like, no, it's just the. <laughs> it really only has like four <laughs> voices. Yeah, I was gonna say Roiland himself said he's only got like six different deliveries, <laughs> and every character sounds the same. And they're all and, like stuttery. Well, it's, it's, it's just great. The perfect example is the uh, intergalactic cable or interdimensional cable. Okay, episodes, that's perfect because it's all every episode is the same five or that's six a characters. perfect. Uh, thank you for that because if you like the intergalactic cable episodes. You're going to love this game because it's like a series of those just strung together. It's a first-person shooter. Your guns talk to you, and they're fucking foul-mouthed. Like, I was tempted just to record part of this where you just randomly come across this guy selling alien cum. And it just goes on and on and on. Hey, you want to buy some uh, alien cum? We got a lot of alien cum, man. I don't understand what the fuck people do with it, but it's great. It's fucking great. <laughs> buy this like fucking a, shit. That's yeah. a Royal joint already. It's definitely, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The whole game. I, I have never liked listening to NPCs as much as I do playing this game. Like, if you walk away, you know, they're like, hey, man, I just work. Oh, Oh, I guess we're done talking. All right. Fuck well, and the guns, whatever, so because son of a bitch. They're aliens, and the guns talk to you, and when he changes them out, they're like, well, I guess you didn't want to use me anymore, and like he totally bows off, and you're, I'm like, wow, that's actually kind of fun. I love this. This is clever. <laughs> this game is fucking hilarious. I have never laughed out loud so much at a game like High on Life. Hmm. Uh, Gameplay-wise... You know, it's okay. It's it's a first person shooter. You got a few different guns that that allow it to be a bit of a platformer at times, and you got you know go back through levels and collect the crystals to do the shit. Bah, 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 bah. It, it has a feel to me of more like Borderlands ish, like the way that you the boss fights and things and all that stuff. Really fun thing about this game, uh, there are a few full movies inside this game. Full, full movies. Full movies. Uh, I'm not spoiling anything. An alien comes and just crashes on your couch. You should buy alien coming here. Yes, you can. <laughs> An alien comes in your house and starts, just crashes on your couch and just starts watching TV. And there are full movies that play, like shitty movies. There's four full movies that you can watch in this game. Uh, Tammy and the T-Rex, uh, 1994. Uh, what's her name? Uh, married to Charlie Sheen. Uh, Denise Richards. Yes. And Paul Walker were in this shitty fucking movie. It, I think it, I've seen that actually. <laughs> oh God, it's so bad. Yeah. So, so these bad. are actual movies. Yes, yes. They yes. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Blood Harvest, nineteen eighty-seven, starring Tiny Tim. Yeah, I heard. Oh, of that's that right. One. Yeah, he's like a clown. Oh yeah, and there's someone I, no. going around yeah. killing people. I, I, in fact, I think you and I talked about this yeah, movie we did. in like the early '90s, <laughs> and we were wow. both surprised that we had seen it. And there's it's a couple of full ridiculous. nude scenes in there too, and they just play the whole damn movie. Oh, uh, Vampire Hookers, 1978, and Demon Wind, 1990. I just had one of those before the show. <laughs> Vampire Hooker, Demon oh. Wind. Oh, <laughs> that's what was going on. Yep, full length B movies. And uh, you can watch all the movies at the movie theater that you can summon into the world using a warp disc. It's a whole thing. This game is fucked up. It's great. Play it. Noted. Matt, what'd you do? I have no creativity, so I did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what'd you do? Uh, so, a couple of things. Uh, I've got 
YouTube Premium, and and this is no way an ad for YouTube Premium, but kind of uh, is though. No more commercials. It's oh, thank God. Yeah, uh, it's such an aggravating thing. It's like on the one hand, I'm so glad I've gotten rid of the commercials, but on the other hand, it's it. You know that they psychologically manipulate you into going, hey, these commercials are really bad, but let's dangle the ad free thing for you for one year. And uh, anyway, what I do like is don't the, forget to cancel it after your. Yeah, right. Well, no, it doesn't auto renew, which is nice. Um I really it yeah, it's it's really? not it's not an auto renew after on the annual subscription, which is I think nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Um what I've been really liking is the YouTube music. And in addition to being able to listen to songs, you know, either through headsets or uh just like your car stereo, etc. They have a lot of music videos. And it's nice being able to watch a music video without an ad breaking in like you know, a minute into the music video, especially when it's a three-minute long music video. Um, I've really been rediscovering a lot of these 80s and 90s music videos. And goddamn, those were some bonkers videos. I'm only remembering like small bits of it, and I'm, I'm constantly amazed at the ones that I'm watching and going, I don't remember any of this in this video. I remember bits and pieces of it, but then there's things that pop up that you're just like, oh my God. Well, here's a, here's a great example. Please. Um, the Hall & Oates music video for Out of Touch, which is bonkers anyway. Yes. Yeah, probably their m- most bonkers video. While you're watching it, go back and watch it. Daryl Hall has a guitar through a lot of the video, He's not even pretending to play it. He is bouncing around with one hand on the neck and one hand on the side, and he is not pretending to strum. He is not pretending to play any chords. He is literally just bouncing around with his guitar, and it is weird. It is. That that video is just crazy pants. He's singing with passion like he's singing the song for real. He's just not doing a whole lot else. It's, it's weird. You know what? Overall, Hall of Notes, especially as they went further into the video era, really were just fucking around. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I love that fact about their videos. Like uh, Method of Modern Love is another one where it's just that whole video is crazy pants. I mean, it's it's stupid. You know, pretending to, to swim on a cloud that's clearly being dragged on a dolly across this weird background but uh yeah a lot of these videos are just weird uh some of the some of the old fleetwood mac videos uh go insane is one that comes to mind although i think that's just uh, buckingham by himself but uh anyway it's 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 been a lot of fun it's been a lot of uh walk down memory lane you would play an mtv yeah, exactly. It's like MTV without having the the VJs come on and give you a whole bunch of BS that you don't need to know. So, are you uh, smirching Martha Quinn? Oh, I would never be smirching Martha Quinn. Okay, just making sure. Had the hugest crush on her back in the day. We all did. But uh, the other thing is, I uh, oh, the guy from Mario Speedwagon though. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another one. Uh, keep on loving you. That video, where he's just like. 
Kevin Cronin, and he's just she was just so beautiful. Kevin Cronin was one of the early VJs. Was he really? Yeah. I didn't know. I don't that. know that name at all. Uh, he's the lead singer of REO Speedwagon, or well, I should I say, the second out. or second or contact, second or third iteration of REO, right? I think second. I don't know enough about REO Speedwagon because they had a different lead singer initially. Anyway, that's that's a whole other yeah uh, rabbit hole to go down. Uh, the other thing I did uh, actually, uh, Darren and I went and saw Avatar: The Way of Water. So uh, how was it? Ah, oh boy. Oh, I am not. Being negative on the film in any way whatsoever. The story is very interesting. Like you are already. The story is is interesting enough to that it's definitely a bridge movie. <laughs> Still fern gully. Visually, it is absolutely stunning. I mean, it's ridiculous. So it lives up to the first film. It, with, it's, yeah. Visually, I'd say it's even slightly better than the, the well, first I mean, film. Wow. How many years has it been? It's been technology. Well, was what oh eight or oh nine when the first one came out? I did see it in three D. Gimmick. The 3D gets some, <laughs> takes some getting used to because they um, they ramp up the frame rates in certain areas of the film, so it would go from very looking very 24 frames a second film like to suddenly like 120 frames a second. Why they it's, do that? It's like um, you know when you're watching TV and somebody has the motion smoothing left on mm. and has that soap opera effect. You just suddenly get that every now and then in the film. I get that with some of the videos I now watch on my YouTube Premium. Really, it's very funny because now there's now I'm getting some high def stuff. Yeah, and some of that stuff comes up, and I'm like watching scenes. I'll just you know scroll through Game of Thrones scenes, and I'm like. This totally looks like a video. This looks like high, high, high quality video. Yeah. I mean, it's... The story is definitely interesting enough. I did not hate it. Let me get that right out of the way. I did not hate it. I just... I think maybe it's because it's been so long I was wanting there to be more. But like I said, visually, it's breathtaking. It's, it's worth seeing just for the visuals especially some of the underwater scenes the in you know the creative versions of the the sea life that they've made that you know it's it's very alien but not so alien enough that you don't know what it is yeah. um and underwater 3d yeah that's oh something they've been needing to do for a while it's like i said it's breathtaking yeah so uh, incredibly stunning um i can definitely see this is a bridge film though because they obviously left it open for the third film. And this is a... Okay, so it's been... You know, in in the movie, it's been 10 years since the events of the first film. So this is them explaining what happened in the interim 10 years, what's happening right now. Then they jump ahead like a year, I think it is. And that's where the events of the movie play out. So And then Zoli Sardana goes, I love you. And he's like, I know. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Always so with I'm, these sequels. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. interested Bridge to movies. see where they're going with the story. Zombie Stephen Lang just reaches up out of... Yep, he's there. Well... He's back. He's oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, um. don't want to spoil it for then you, don't. but he's back. Stephen Lang <laughs> is in the cast. That's all I can tell you. It's, he's in the cast. It's um, kind of like future how, world how they, where how they how they do that. <laughs> I, I will leave it up to you to figure out. So, so Isoldana does a little dance yeah, number yeah. with him, and then he just goes. And He's bald too. It's weird. Yeah, and dressed in so, black. Yeah, I mean it's worth seeing. It's definitely worth seeing. 
Um, and I guess we only have like another year-ish. It's 2024 is when the next movie is coming out, All supposedly. Right, so two years. So it's something we yeah. should see in the theater. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. And right. that's what right. I told. I mean, it's Avatar. It's built to you, be seen on the big screen. And oh, it is, yeah, yeah. As, as we've discussed before, uh, I believe, Kirsten, about the the 3D films that are shot for 3D mm. and some that are just converted yeah. to take, you know, the additional dollars from the, the audience. This one is definitely designed from the beginning to be sure viewed in 3D. big jim cameron yeah the man knows the plan or so. something although it didn't take all the money no it yeah. it, it did very well it at did the box very well. office but it didn't do what they were expecting although the man babies have been pointing out that uh hey. captain marvel yeah captain marvel did better by you know like a couple million yeah, I think it only did something like 134 million in its yeah. opening weekend. Well, and the 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 international, it's like I don't know, uh, 448 to 440, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Well, there's still plenty of people just not going to movies. Well, yeah. what's, what? What's fascinating though is here's here's interesting uh, take on that opening weekend. Uh, the the whatever it was, 134 something million. They're only counting that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday, a lot of theaters were still sold out for that, uh -huh. but they're not counting that Monday. Yeah, right, because it's not the weekend. So, is that going to be second Thank week you. box office numbers? Then I don't know how they're going to work that, but but I had difficulty getting tickets for the show yesterday. Wow. So and anyway, yes, yesterday take that for was what you, Monday. Monday. I think part of it is here. There's a lot of schools already out on holiday break. That's School probably part of it because I've never had that Avatar. much of an issue getting a ticket for an afternoon film yeah. on a Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monday's a day. Usually, it's it's Deadsville at every theater. But Deadsville, man. I had several uh, showings that I'm looking at. I'm like, how is this sold out? This one is sold out too, or there's one random seat at the back of the theater. And not two together. Uh, it's just, it was weird. Well, a lot so. of people, myself included, don't like going to the movies opening weekend because, well, that's ugh, people. Yeah. Well, that's why what I usually fuck? wait till Monday or Tuesday, and it's usually not a problem. But, I usually like uh, waiting till Sunday morning, the matinee price. Well, yes. That yeah. worked better when we lived in a state where a lot of people go to church and discount stuff Tuesdays. Oh, yeah. Discount great. Tuesdays are where I usually like to go. And there's in several, Vegas, we all worship Satan, but uh, yeah. in, in when I, we lived in Houston, that was Jesus' time. Yeah. Uh, so they're all in we all, you could go on opening weekend, first show on a Sunday morning, and yeah. it would be empty. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Especially amazing. in uh, uh, the more rural areas, oh, in yeah. Sugarland. There you go. Because they're all at church. Well, it's not over rural. There. Let's be, that's, that's Compared to Houston. It's not there's, city. There's more it's fields. Suburban. Suburbia, yes. That's not know. rural. Well, I saw more different. churches and more fields out there, so I figure, you know, Jesus people. <laughs> also, the theater right next to uh, uh, the Joel Osteen Church. Oh, oh God. Of course, that, you don't want to get near that. That traffic. fucking guy. <laughs> oh my god the worst was when and i know we're going off on a tangent but fuck it uh wednesday, on this show i know never. wednesday night of all things they had like a service or was it thursday we fuck lived wednesdays before, we, before we bought service. our house we lived in an apartment right across the street Did you? right across the street from oh me. man and every oh. wednesday it was like honking the, for jesus honk for jesus parade and it would go for like an hour and a half and everybody's just honking it's fucking terrible. I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Like, 
okay, whatever. Punk for G- punk for G- why? So, so I don't know. They're all happy you they lived left in the church. Midwest. Is, you know where? Well, I I was happy leaving church too. But. <laughs> is that where the epithet honky came from? <laughs> I'm going to go with yes, and that's what we're gonna, the story we're going to spread from we're, Yes, we're keeping that. It's, yeah. yes. That's what a honky is. Well, uh-huh. it makes sense it would be a Joel Osteen reference. <laughs> but so it's worth seeing. Osteen. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's worth seeing. Um, your, your mileage may vary, but I really enjoyed it. Kirsten, what'd you do? I felt miserable. You did? Yeah, I uh, actually finally got around to putting out my tree. And I got my Christmas stuff in the garage and a big pile of boxes in the corner. And I spent two days moving boxes because the tree, of course, is in the crate on the bottom. So to get to the tree, I got to move everything else. And it just dust and dust and more dust and then whatever pollen blew in. And I just, I was finishing up towards the end on the tree. I was just like, oh my God, I'm just. So I just can I just stop you right here. I just wanted to let everyone know that Barry just spit on himself. Uh, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> I got cookie all over me. <laughs> I had to clean myself. <laughs> Since when? Since just now, I had cookie on me. <laughs> go ahead, Chris. But uh, so, <laughs> so I did Jeff. do that. But Deb's subtle little nod do there you, says you, everything I need to know. Do you still put like three inches of tinsel on every single wow. side of that tree? I was wondering when that was going to happen. No, because they stopped making it, didn't they? It's. Uh, I have found tinsel. In in the past, Kirsten's tree has had more tinsel than tree. Why did they stop making tinsel? Because it's a fire hazard. Oh, and so tree also, also made of one hundred percent asbestos. Lots That's, of no, pets. my my tree's made yeah, out of uh, pets eat it uh, sulfur and, and lead. Uh, wood. Oh, wow. it's, it's it's designed to just go right up. <laughs> <laughs> Every yeah. year, I'm like, all right, this is the year, and no, no, doesn't happen. <laughs> tinsel. How do you have tinsel and a cat? Uh, actually, he's learning. <laughs> to leave it alone or to attack it? He's learning. To leave it alone, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah, it's it only been past. how many years? <laughs> yeah. He, uh, so I don't put a lot of tinsel down towards he, the bottom. He's like, this This hairball could be the last. You know, so, but yeah, he'll, uh, well, it was, I, I, I told you that my parents' cats, they, they used to walk around with, like, Plops of, of poop just hanging off some tinsel from their butt, <laughs> and and you get a you get a paper towel and you grab the clot of poop and you pull on it and the cat's like what 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 what, what the hell what? <laughs> uh, it hasn't been like that for Kit. He has uh, coughed up one strand, so I think he's learning. Although it was really funny because when I work on the garage. I get really excited and I start destroying cardboard. I just start slashing up cardboard and throwing it in the recycle container. Excited. And just 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 get to work on you it. You got to have a hobby, Matt. Yeah. yeah. Cleaning your space and making it neat it, it, it can help. Makes you feel better. It's cathartic. And and I think part of the reason I had the allergy thing is I closed the garage cuz the last time I was slashing cardboard and throwing oh, yeah, it you away had the garage door open yeah. uh, I had the door open and a dog walked into my life and upended my week it was very strange so I was like I don't really want to do that again so I kept the door closed uh but I slashed up the gr- the cardboard and stuffed it in the uh the recycling and uh Kit would come in and out and just watch me and then leave and watch me and leave and he'd like get all interested and stuff and but I was getting rid of all that crap. So I did that. Tree is up. 
that was a long way to go for trees up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know. Well, it took us I, around the I, world. I, there. I, I, I'd be, I'll be, I won't lie. Halfway through, I forgot where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? What am I? What am you know, I you're learning the cover pretty well, though. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, what the, what the? You know, all those, all those years of improv. Yeah, I'm just. I just yes ended myself until I was like, <laughs> and the trees up. Scene. I'm just impressed that you would put a tree up this late because if it was me. And it was this close to Christmas, I'd been like, fuck it. The tree is staying in the garage this year. I, Jeff, Jeff, it looks like you already made that decision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have no, one. No, no. So. One year, Jeff, I really wasn't feeling it. Uh-huh. Andy and uh, Duncan had moved in. And I was just like, I really just don't fucking feel it. And Andy was like. Well, Andy will do that to you. <laughs> but Andy was. It, it, well, it was a He's very. Heard that from it, was, too. it was a very bad financial year. And. But Andy was just like, hey, man, don't on account Andy, of us Andy. do anything. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I didn't put something up. And I actually ended up not liking it. Uh-huh. So I was like, even if I just do the tree, I got to do it. Because there is a little bit of satisfaction once the tree's up and all the tinsels on it glittering. You know, it's sparkling, the, yep, shimmering in the dim lights. That's right. That's right. You, I can light. You know, well, when I do the full setup, uh-huh. I can, I can light my downstairs yeah, just with the with decoration. Lights, yeah. But the other thing is, no more games at my house. We don't record at my house. Nobody comes over, so it's sort of like. <sighs> but I'll put up the tree. So, and I had to replace lights, and oh my god, I just that that was annoying. So still a long way to go for saying your tree is up. <laughs> the tree is up. <clears throat> so where was I going with this? You're, I don't <laughs> fucking know. I'm still yeah. waiting for a story over I know. here. Uh, let's see. So I did the tree. Now you're just making shit up. Okay. Um, I've been reading Kagan the Damned uh, based on Todd's uh, sort of recommendation. Now, Todd, yes. you, you, you've made comments on numerous times, mm. different books you talk about. I don't really like any of these people. I don't like any of these characters and stuff like Which, that. Which I'm fine with not liking characters. I'm still could be intrigued with the book. Uh huh. If the story in like yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely I agree yeah. Here the story is. Eh, I mean it's 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 fun because like Todd and I were talking about, it is loaded with all sorts of uh, weird Lovecraftian non-standard fantasy references. The whole pantheon of the world is just like all Lovecraftian. The big bad god is Hastur. The uh, and actually, it looks like some of the more supportive gods are Dagon and and someone. It supportive? sounds like Cthulhu. It's, yes, it, it makes Cthulhu seem kind of like a good guy. Yeah, yeah. It's just like <laughs> this is this is kind of weird. So I'm waiting to see where that goes. Frankly, I, I'm looking forward to a big thing where all the gods rise up, and it's just bad for everybody. But we'll see what happens. So, but boy, oh boy, that that main protagonist was a fucking. He he gets he fails in the beginning of the book. It's just a drag out opener. It's a great opener. Yes, and uh, it's a great failure. <laughs> and it's a great yeah. And he, that hence he's Kagan the Damned. He's damned because he failed. Oh my God! And then it just goes on and oh, and he's just he gets he's just constantly drunk and he's going. Kind of, oh, sorry, blah, pukes becomes, on himself. Yeah, he becomes Kagan the feeling sorry for himself. Yes, yeah. Kagan the whiner, uh, Kagan the emo uh, alcoholic. Well, you're not selling this. Yeah, well, it's it's funny because it's it's, but but reading for the Easter eggs, 
is fun. Mayberry, he's thoroughly versed in all the Lovecraftian stuff and all of that. And he knows what he's doing. It's just that, man. So now things are finally moving. We'll see where they go and what happens. I don't know if I'll continue with it. So I've got other books. I got an RPG book. Ooh, what you got? It's called Black Pudding Heavy Helping. Oh, I like the name. This is a uh, this is an old school Renaissance and OSR uh, RPG magazine called Black Pudding, and they do variant rules and different character classes, and they do a real Gonzo approach to it. Barry, you and I have talked about Hole, yeah, and it's a lot like that. You know, the layout. It looks like it's been hand, you know, hand drawn and scratched and, out. Yeah, and, and yeah. It, it, it's really, really, it's really, really cool in that regard. For and, people who don't remember whole human occupied landfill, I don't think they did anything else. They yeah, it was a um, Black Dog Games, which was the adult White version Wolf's, of White Wolf, yeah. which is sort of like, oh, okay, White Wolf. Okay, well, 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 right. they put out some good titles in that. They never read Ghost, uh, the Goat. The, whatever their ghost thing was, they put out a uh, a source book mm-hmm. for the Shoah, and I'm like, oh, but I read the whole thing. Yes, it's really. Yes, good. it's White Wolf would. It was ridiculously. They were way back in the day. They were ridiculously creative. Yeah, that was some great stuff. And and this is pretty creative too. But boy, is it a totally different direction because it 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 takes the piss out of a lot of tropes. Uh, uh, Deb, I thought of you because there's one character class. Uh, the uh, chainmail bikini chick. <laughs> and she's a barbarian warrior, and it's really funny. She has to wear the chain bikini. If she does, then she adds her dex and her charisma oh, nice. to her armor class. You know? I would do that for that. That's and and, 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 and then, there's, then there's things where, like, you know, you, you make a random roll depending on how the enemy is distracted and how you can... The higher, the better you roll. It's like you're getting plus two against them, and they're minus two against you, and stuff like that. So it gets gone. There's sinewy barbarian, similar thing, big muscly guy. You got to wear only a fur loin cloth (laughs) and sandals, and then you add your strength and your con to your armor class. And then he's got stuff like flex. Which is almost like a stunning attack. You, he, you, you flex got tickets and, to the gun show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And people get confused, and then he can. So it does a lot of that, taking the piss out of things. Sounds kind of like uh, Tales from the Floating Vagabond. It can be a little bit, you know, a little bit. It. This I just appreciated the whole Gonzo approach of it. Unfortunately, OSR. It's one of those descending armor class things. It's like, oh no! God damn you, people! Just go to ascending armor class and get over it but they like to stick to that nonsense and so that's a big disappointment uh, is that just a uh, nod to thacko uh well you know it d- d- dude i don't understand it because my argument is always if you're doing descending armor class you are clearly stating you're not looking to broaden the audience you're what writing you- for a, g- a specific group old people and, and and that's it yeah people who 30 years they're going to be dead what do you mean ascending armor class? Okay, she's and, before th- she did yes. this before her time. This buckle in, everyone. Uh, okay, five E yeah. armor class base ten, and then you add and go up. Okay, you roll a d twenty. You add your mods if you hit or get higher than the AC. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Simple enough. Old school D and D, the system was based on a war game. 
And the ARMA class actually ran from nine to one. And basically, you they ended up making a chart and you had to roll and based on your level and based on the armor class of your opponent, you cross-referenced and you saw the number on the die you needed to roll higher. to hit. Uh, yeah, higher was still better, but the math, eventually they, 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 math, they created the math formula for this process, which was called Thaco, to hit armor, armor class, class zero. zero. Because armor classes could go negative. Yes. Well, that's and that's one of my arguments. Because in OD&D, it was 9 to 1. So you could sit there and say, armor class 1 is better than 9. And it's intuitive, right? Oh, okay. Because there are ranking systems that do that. You know, number 1 is the best. But then, as they started doing more AD&D, you got armor class 0. And then you got negative 1. So now you, you got apply mods and there's magic and yeah. there's all this other stuff. Oh yeah, and you had your dex score. Yeah. Right, your dex mod, if it's high enough, you add to your missile attacks. It's great. Plus two to missile attack. And it's so damn good that it benefits your armor class. You subtract two. And it's just like Mother. doesn't make any sense. No. Exactly. <laughs> and there are so many fucking grognards one of them. on the internet. I'm one of them. Who's, no, you're not. <laughs> you hate descending armor class. I love Thaco. <laughs> oh, you're you're just lying to, no. to be to create trouble. That's where I started D and D. It's kind of like your first James Bond that you see is your James Bond. My first D and D is Thaco. My first D and D is a D and D. I hate descending armor class. It's stupid. Well, you're one stupid. of those strange creatures. Oh, oh no, geez. it's you're, stupid. You're strange. <laughs> I like to Dumb. say in some deep dungeons, there's it, monsters so old uh, they have Thacko. You just can't hit them. Yeah, really. I mean, it's just, it's, I just hate it. And it's funny how you have the arguments because proponents of descending armor class are assholes. And it, it always turns out that way because you argue with them long enough. Eventually, they'll, they'll be like. They'll die because well, they're old. <laughs> yeah, really. You hope they will. They're like, well, I'm sorry. You can't handle subtraction. <laughs> you know, it's always the same argument. I had a little math, uh huh, and it's just like you know what? There are math teachers that'll say subtraction a little bit harder than addition. You don't need math; you just look at the chart. Yeah, the chart. And then we're playing chart master. Yeah, exactly. I don't need a chart roll master. I roll a die. I add some numbers, and that's that's. Did I hit it or not? It's right there. You know, I had one argument with one schmuck. I'm like. I roll and then I got to subtract this and I add that and I don't even know because there's one way of doing it if I know the AC but if you don't tell me the AC I have to do it another way and he's like well you don't you don't figure it out I look at your roll and I tell you if you hit and I'm like imagining Barry everybody's rolling 20s and Barry's looking and telling us if we hit and everything <laughs> and I'm just like yeah yeah you're you are definitely weird buddy you are definitely fucking weird it's just, it. Oh God, I hate it. I've I've left right so many old school groups on Facebook because there's always the, that subset of grognards who will fiercely defend descending armor. Class. That is the second time you said the word yes. grognard. You're gonna have to defend that. that to def sorry, you're gonna define. have to define that for the people that don't know. It's a French word for grumbler, and in the wargaming community. 
and leading into tabletop RPGs, grognard has come to mean curmudgeon, the older, curmudgeonly, uh, grumbly, complainy. You know, they're the Vernons of tabletop gaming. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, Don't change yeah. the things that I know and love from my childhood. Right, yes. yeah. right. Pretty much. Everything new is shit. Yeah, and you know what? Dude, in, in OSR, there is so much creative shit going on. There really is. It, they're doing Some of the coolest settings, some of the neatest ideas are out there, and you get this subset that is just like, well, we're sticking with this thing. And I'm like, guys, stop. Brant, you, you know, make, let's bring people in. And you don't bring people in with descending armor class. You don't bring people in with complicated rules. You simplify mm-hmm. as much as you can and without sacrificing anything. And the OSR claims that they're going for simplification and rulings, not rules. And then they do descending armor class. <laughs> well, it's at this point I'm reminded, uh, since I just listened to it, uh, one of Will Wheaton's better quotes in the still just a geek is you know gatekeeping in this day and age is simply pointless so it's okay yeah. for you to not like it yeah. but it's okay for other people to like what you don't like sure yeah but so, those, those people are wrong the, yeah. my yeah. only argument there jeff is like i said when you make a game to sell and put out there mm-hmm. i firmly believe if you're doing descending armor class you're less honoring a tradition and you're more, you're more, you're kind of gatekeeping right there. Yeah. You're not opening up to others, and that's that's the thing that D- I argue. D and D's success as of late is huge, and it's because they've opened it up and made it accessible to people who look at the game and say, "Oh, I do enough math at work or at school." Right, it's easy to learn. It's easy to play. Yeah, 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 yeah. and. Look at everyone who's into it right now, people who were never into it before. When I was coming up, and I'm, you know, kind of old, uh, I, I went to school in the 80s and whatnot, and D&D was very much like it is in Stranger Things. There's just a bunch of nerdy kids in someone's basement. You know what there weren't? Girls playing it. They just weren't playing it. So they had to make the game more approachable, so that more people would play, so you get a bigger, bigger cross section of I don't think humanity. this is the. I don't think this is the road you're wanting to go down. No, 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 so no, 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 no. This, this is no, the no. road I'm going Bar- down. Barry's right. You had to introduce shopping. You had to expand charisma, oh, so boy. everybody talks about their feelings. You're right. Okay, this is not the road I was going you down. You can punch him, you know, Deb. <laughs> Because that's oh, the that's you guys road it sounded like. No, 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 no. That's the road the curse is going down so she can he can make uh, Deb punch her. Punch him. Her, him, it. Well, you start off, you're, you're thinking you have to make it more approachable. It's yeah, like, make it more, not easy, more approachable. So you get girls in the yeah, hobby. And then it's popular. That's not why girls got interested in playing it, by making it more approachable. Girls were interested in it before it was they were quote, interested. more approachable. They were so. interested. And the guys, was guys the, would be like, oh, what are girls yeah, doing yeah. here? The problem were, was the people that were into it, though, as far as uh, I could tell, because there was a lot of the nerdiest guys. Yeah. And, well, because it was very math-based structure. Well, like, and also, I think... Chart tables and... And like my case, Deb, there was also a defensiveness about it um, in, terms of, in terms of like being in the nerdy niche... And it, it wasn't so much, no, girls, ick. It was sort of like, 
you just a girl would express an interest because in, i had more than one friend whose sisters would come in and play and it's just like you what you're interested in D D, <laughs> you know and it's just sort of like where, what is this unicorn come in from the unicorn, you know, wilderness? And and it, it that, even, and it turns even, out there were a lot more unicorns out there in the world than we thought. And it can I I I expect that it can be a little off-putting, even when it's not. You don't belong here. It's sort of like, why do you want to be here? You yeah. know? Yeah. So I I mean I recognize that for myself that was sort of what I did back in the day because it was just like girls play D and D. Why? But Why? I mean, well, so case in point, Paulette only started playing because we were playing fourth edition and the way fourth edition was structured, it played a lot like wow. Oh yeah. And so she really could learn how to play very easily and she played very well. And she wowed it. The first time I was ever exposed to Dungeons and Dragons was at a friend's house and about the time I was in the third grade. And his sister had it. Really? We were trying to find board games to play so we're, we're like well she saw that he had this she had this game look like a game by her desk and so we got it out because we we're going to play the board game and we opened it up it was just a bunch Papers of and maps <laughs> yeah. and these weird plastic shapes and crayons yeah and crayons <laughs> that came with it at the time and we couldn't figure out what the hell this was no. so we went and put it away and went to find a real board game oh. but the first time I ever saw and opened a box of D&D it was, a girl had it. That's good. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. And once mm. you learn to play, you did lots of shopping and you oh, got dude. new relationships. Oh, oh dude, no. <laughs> my car, I lose the car, car. So you find a bikini chain, <laughs> chainmail bikini. <laughs> All right, cool. I love, I love, I love taking the piss out of those tropes. Ironically, it's always yeah. the guys that take fucking forever on a shopping, shopping trip in oh, town. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Can I just tell you, as a new DM, and it's really hard for me to figure out what is okay to throw at my characters for shopping versus what is like, why the hell would you try to give that to fourth level characters? Because <laughs> like my brain, sure. just still, price it accordingly. I know, but still, my brain with like finding magical things out in the middle of nowhere, and my and I'm like with this nice shiny you plus two did, AC. You did the perfect thing the last game. Uh, you find Dragnai, the demon sword. Oh. Two copper. Two copper. No, you priced everything appropriately. You know, and you, you threw a few little things out there, and people were interested. Like, okay, yeah, maybe. But then you threw this this thing that would give someone Constitution 19, but it was really expensive. And so now There's we have to something to, to, to work towards. Like, ooh, I want to save my, my, my pennies and my, my, my silver and all the business. To try and get that, yeah. So that's good. Well, I, please, I think please try, have it when they go back to town. I sold it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you want to go that. ask the person I sold <laughs> yeah. it to, Just please. But here's that. a shiny block of cheese or something. Yeah. See, I don't think approaching it with trial and error is a bad thing. You know, see if it works. If it doesn't, you know, you try something else. So, uh, you know, as a new DM, why not just see what works and then, yeah. you know, instead of guessing, well, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to price. Just Try it out. See if it ha- See what happens. And it's interesting listening to uh, to Deb go through this, and and learn for the first. And it's funny because there there are times when you're saying stuff, Deb, and I'm like, oh man, I wish I'd figured that out earlier. <laughs> yeah, and I'm making I wish a point. I'm making a point not to hover. You know. Just, well, the way you be... explain shit. Yeah, say that. <laughs> yeah. <it's>... Fuck <laughs> you. <laughs> I explain things fine. <laughs> 
So, uh, yeah, that's what I did, Todd. <laughs> Tree is up. Yeah, I like up. it. Yeah, uh, you know, I just I'll throw a little thing out there because it kind of reminds me of that. Because the game I'm playing right now on the Xbox is an oldie but goodie. Goodie is very in quotes. Uh, the original Bard's Tale, huh? As in, <laughs> came out in 1984, I think. Bard's Tale for which system? Uh, oh my god! PC, originally, right? I, originally, I played it on the Commodore 64, but yes, it was available. I for joked Apple about II, IBM cassettes. Didn't did, oh, yeah. you had to load that with cassettes back in the day? Didn't you? Uh, you well, you, well, you had, had floppy disk or yeah. the cassette. Load in comma star comma eight comma one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely on multiple sides of a disk. <laughs> uh, they they have streamlined it a little more, added some stuff like autosave and stuff. It gives you the option of playing it. Old school, don't. Um, don't. But if you're not familiar, Bard's Tale was a uh, bestseller mm. RPG oh, yeah. based oh, yeah. on the Dungeons & Dragons engine. Uh, First-person movement, very much like Wizardry, if you're familiar with that, kind of Wizardry elevated. Uh, but as usual, it allows you to create your own characters. So as I used to always do, I would always create characters based on my friends. So... Uh, I, this our our party is Geek Shock. It's as the crew. So I, nice. you are all in Yay. my party. Oh yeah! Whenever there's a dog or a lizard or some monster, I have to name. It's a Torgo. Ah, oh, see, perfect. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. And it uh, came out in '85. I double checked. Okay, so, I, I couldn't remember if it was yeah. like '84 or something like that. And, I, and I tried to cast a type. Uh, Matt, you are my dwarven warrior. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. So okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deb, you are the sorceress. Okay. Uh, Jeff, just because no one here really is stealthy, I went ahead and made you my rogue. Okay. All right. The closest thing to stealthy we have. Yeah, 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 I was going to say. I need someone who won't trip the traps on the chest, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Spill the trippets. And then you just see a little bubble. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) I am the paladin because I am a bastion of good. <laughs> Things caught Barry, on fire, right? Barry, you are the magician, of course, uh, and you'll be raised up into a geomancer eventually when I'm allowed to. So, and of course, Kirsten, you fucking <laughs> please, 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 halfling bard, please, <laughs> halfling bard, I love it. You <laughs> bastard, you are the bard. Yes, <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> I wish I could hate you to death. <laughs> All right, Penny and, Arcade. And your opinion on that means just as much as Deb. What is the time for? <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Yeah. Boo. I mean, boo. <laughs> Edie Falco shot Avatar 2 so long ago, she thought it already got released and had flopped. <laughs> Hilarious. Wow. One of the more delightful surprises in Avatar The Way of Water is when Edie Falco pops up as General Francis Ardmore, a new military commander on Pandora. Falco was not prominently featured in any marketing, or in any of the marketing, so you'd be forgiven for not knowing that she was even in this. She's a four-time Emmy Award-winning actress. I was surprised. She for those who can't she picture it. Show, she's like, hey, T, oh, wait. Uh. <laughs> for those who can't Tony, picture it, that's Tony, Tony. Soprano's uh, wife. So during a recent Warner's interview... Jackie. She Sorry. revealed that she shot her scenes over four years ago for this movie. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, so much time went by in between filming that in 2022 release date that Falco would simply assume the movie opened in theaters already and just didn't perform well and she just never heard about it. <laughs> she, she literally <laughs> said she's been busy 
Somebody mentioned Avatar, and I thought, oh, I guess it came out, and it didn't do well because I didn't hear anything. <laughs> it happens. And then someone actually told her, no, it's coming out now. Oh, it hasn't come out yet? Uh, and then she actually said, I'll never work again because I said that. <laughs> this, actually, this actually cracks me up because over the last 20 years specifically, Cameron really does play the long game as far as like uh, planning out for movies. This is not the first time I've heard an actor uh, talk about shooting a scene and then it finally appears in a movie like four or five years after they shot it. And they're like, oh, I forgot about this. Like, I literally didn't remember doing this. Oh, yeah. Are the actors going on like press junkets? <coughs> yeah. This movie? Yeah, of course they are. I don't think she is. Let's hope they took notes during filming. Yikes. That's a long time in between. Though. Yeah. 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 So she does play one of the human, one of the few human characters in this film, but she actually says she's like, "I wanted to be blue. I was excited to be blue and very tall, and I didn't get either one of those things." <laughs> well, she got the very tall, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. That it'd be funny to see some of these people on those press junkets and like, so how'd you feel about blah blah? And you're like. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I have actually <laughs> seen that in a few of the interviews where they somebody will uh, a, a, an interviewer will ask a targeted question yeah. about a specific scene, and that's the actor's response. It's like, honestly, I shot this so long ago, yeah. I don't remember anything about that particular scene. And it's not that it's just or, that it's so long yeah. ago. They've done other things yeah. since, and so everything just pushes it right out. Or the other one I'll get is like, I had forgotten about it until I watched the movie again, and then yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, now I remember doing this, that, or the other thing. It's crazy. News you don't give a shit about. Dun, dun, dun. James Gunn likes to talk with fans, but he thinks sometimes those fans go a little too far. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. James Gunn has fired back at fans critical of his DC Studios moves so far in a lengthy Twitter thread. It's a new Kathleen Kelly, James Gunn. It's been almost it really two- is, isn't it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. It's Michael, been almost- just call him James Kennedy. <laughs> James Gunnity? That was pretty funny. Yeah, thank you. It's been almost two months since Gunn and Peter Safran. Safran? Safran? Safran, why, why not? There we go, Safran. Took over heads of DC Studios. And while many of the filmmakers' moves at the studio have not been made public yet, behind-the-scenes reporting has made it clear that certain ideas are going to be divisive. Like firing Cavill? Mm-hmm. Hey, Our choices. hey, he's not doing the 40K. I'm Fire Cavill all you want. I'm, I'm fine with that. He's not? No, he is. Oh. But it allowed him. He's like, well, you know what? I'm going to do something. I'm going to do a passion project that I want to do now. Fuck all these guys. We're, we're getting to that. Yes. <laughs> Our choices for the DCU are based upon what we believe is the best for the story and best for the DC characters who have been around for nearly 85 years. Perhaps these choices are great, perhaps not, but they are made with sincere hearts and integrity and always with the story in mind, says Gunn. Yeah, they all say that. Do you remember what Kathleen said? She said she loved things too. <laughs> Since they took over the studio, they've spent a lot of time on social media, fielding questions from fans, taking suggestions, and, in, and even addressing certain reporting taking about his decision-making head-on. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We suggest Black Adam Dwayne Johnson and that didn't work out. That was the writing. You shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh it my was, God. It was, that, was James Gunn. Kennedy. Right here. She's Deb Kennedy. Oh my God. One decision that has been confirmed <laughs> is Gunn's choice to step away from Henry Cavill's portrayal of Superman in favor of a new actor who will play a younger version of the Man of Steel. 
It's a decision that angered plenty of fans online, but while Gunn sounds like he was expecting that, he wasn't necessarily expecting things to hit another level. No one loves... Why? Why does he not expect it in this day and age? I know. Why? Of course, how could you be surprised? Well, especially on... He got fired because of these assholes. (laughs) Well, and on Twitter. Like, now on Twitter. Like, we're... Like, there's no... That's right, Wild West. Pretty much, you can yell at whoever you want to. Elon Town. I lost my thought. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're Um, living here in Elon Town. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you got Morton Joe's place, Bullet Town, Elon Town. So he, he actually says that no one loves to be harassed or called names, but to be frank, we've been through significantly worse. Disrespectful outcry will never, ever affect our actions. Get him, James. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it's apparently it's got like he's used to it from, you know, the previous go around with the Twitter trolls. But this has gone like apparently to a whole nother level. Dude, I, I quit and uninstalled Twitter this week. I, 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 I'm out. I'm you done. Mr. Not far you behind. used to be Mr. Twitter. I, I, I hate it in there now. I, I might come back if things change, but I don't see it changing. So mm-hmm. I'm just taking a massive break. And I'm talking long. Yeah, I just see other platforms taking its spot and it just done. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the next better one that can actually monitor its bullshit. From the beginning, Gunn has teased the formation of a massive decade-long story that will hopefully do for DC what the Infinity Saga did for Marvel. But of course, to pull that off, he's got a certain preformed notions of DC movies have to be kind of let go. Gunn knew that going in, and so did many fans, but not everyone is taking the growing pains well. Oh, I can't imagine. What? The Snyderverse people don't like this? Imagine that. They don't like anything. But yeah, I mean, if they want... And in many cases, these are the same people that, that complained about... Batman v Superman. They complained about Justice League. They complained about all this stuff, and then now they're like, "Wait, you want to wipe the slate clean? Don't do what we asked you to do." I thought those were the people that liked that one. Yeah, well, <laughs> even yeah, even them. It just it's ridiculous. That's yeah. that's one of my favorite memes. Is that cut to uh, I think it was the Notebook with Ryan Gosling? Yes. Where that moment where he's like, "What do you want?" You know, because it's just like, <laughs> I don't know anymore. I watched that movie for the first time this week. Oh, man. Yeah. It's actually a pretty good movie. The Notebook. Yeah. 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 It's very sweet. Yeah. Maybe cry. Right. Wow. That's a geeky thing I did. I time. just... Yeah. <laughs> as, as What's a DC, the geeky thing you did? I cried. <laughs> as a DC fan, I, I think you there's nothing you can really do but wipe the slate clean completely no. sure. and, and start over. Because you still have legacy projects that are coming out, you know, unless Zaslav decides he's going to take a tax write-off on those movies. But, (laughs) I mean, I just, I don't see how Gunn and Safran can do what they want to do without swiping the clip. I don't think they can. I mean, their goal is to integrate film with the TV yes. and all of that and make it they one just, big universe they yeah. can't there you go. without starting something fresh I, new. I think it'll be fine and yeah I mean I think it's gonna be good I think it'll be the best thing in the long run but it is weird that the like I said some of these same people that complained about the Snyderverse and you know and, and the stuff that's come out from that are now complaining that they're gonna wipe the slate clean and go in a different direction. It's like, wait a minute. We didn't want you to actually do what we asked you to do. Yeah, really. I, I can understand, though, there's a lot of goodwill around Cavill. Sure. Yeah, just oh, as wow. a, an actor in general. Yeah. Would I like to see him back as Superman? Yes. Do I think it's just probably the right move? 
Also, yes. And you know what? The the hardest thing about all of these discussions is realizing nothing is permanent. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 I think uh, oh, so much of this comes out of a feeling back in the day when if you got a Spider-Man film or a Captain America, you know, the Red Brand, it's like, this is our one chance. Yeah. We have to get this right or we're fucked. And one thing Hollywood's shown is, nope. Yep. <laughs> if it doesn't work, eh, give done. it five, yeah. seven years and we'll try it again. We have to to keep the option. Yeah, really. <laughs> so it's like, you know, <sighs> shit, I think Cavill will probably be back at some point. Possible. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. And so that's the hardest thing is just like, eh, well, let's see what happens this time. It's, yeah. Don't worry. I always like to take a wait and see attitude. Sure. And it's gone. Yeah. Come on. I still remember watching uh, Guardians and just being like. I loved that movie. What the yeah. hell? This is great. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Losers of the Galaxy? Guardians of, of, of stupidity? Yep. I, would, I wasn't expecting this. I would just like to go see a DC film and not feel like the whole time I'm watching like the Marvel's bastard cousin. You know what I mean? <laughs> like something to that. I yeah. know. And and yep. I know that in the yep. comics, I mean, they did that a lot where Marvel would come up with one character that how the and then DC would and they went back and forth. I know that. And I know that's why a lot of the characters are similar with slightly variations of the same powers and different names and yeah. but it's just but the writing the last few ones the stories just are not solid they're not they're not good even standalone films they're just kind of let's throw this at the wall and see if this works no okay let's try this one instead let's do that and that's it they they have to start because dc needs a feige and it wasn't snyder even even if snyder i mean it, never mind whatever vision snyder had he, he he had his tragedy and he was out yeah and and so that just upset the apple cart and ruined everything and and uh, so maybe Gunn can do it. Well, I mean, maybe. look at the Suicide Squad. I mean, that was yeah. a pseudo sequel, but the writing in it was amazing, and the performances were amazing. I mean, yeah, we got Harley Quinn back, but all the other characters were fairly new to that particular yeah. Franchise. Well, I mean, not new to the comic version, but as far as on screen, that's right. the first time we saw a lot of these characters, and it worked. And it shows that Gunn has at least an understanding of yes. the characters and how they can be used in the DC cinematic universe. Gunn's so, got an uphill battle, man. He's, of course, he got well, a yeah. bad hand to work with. But I think he's up to the task. Sure. I, I think just the, the opening of the Suicide Squad tells you everything you know about this movie. The first 15 <laughs> minutes of that movie, you know everything you need to know going forward. Yes, you do. Yep. Yep. And done brilliantly. So, in his hands, I oh, am optimistic. Shoot, yeah. the first 5 minutes that whole bait and switch thing yeah, was just That's what I'm referring to. Uh, oh, that was chef's kiss right there. Just brilliant. It's like, "Oh, how are we going to wipe the slate clean? Oh, we're just going to do it." <laughs> Well, now that we uh, can uh, brush ourselves off of the man-baby stink, let's do some Wicked Geek! What is he talking about? Personal attack. Yeah, I'll stick it, yeah. I know, it always descends down to that. Yeah, name-calling. What yeah, the fuck yeah. do we do? I know, these stupid assholes in their name-calling. Hold on, I'm going to Twitter. Yeah, I'm going to poop on Fuck this guy. Fuck Torgo, you son of a bitch. 
I'm just gonna oh, Torgo can't hear you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Canceled his Twitter. I canceled mine during that last uh, bit we were just talking. Yeah, that, like, yeah. like while the discussion, Barry holds up his phone and shows that he's deleted this account. Oh, right. Fist bump. We canceled him. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck this. I'm taking it to parlor. <laughs> oh, Whoa. Trump joke. <laughs> I'm taking it to grind. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it to farmers only. Whoa. <laughs> now you took wow. it too far. Wow. <laughs> uh, this week we have a bit of an ad. Uh, and uh, what an ad it is. Uh, J.R. Kunkel uh, putting it to good use. Um, so I'll just. Yes, all hail plague bringer, my time has come, and this is the perfect time of year to celebrate me, because I alone bring true peace on earth. Under my reign, all will be equal, there will be no rich, no poor, all will suffer equally as disgusting puddles of fleshy ooze. Think of it. No wars, no famine, no inequality. Everyone suffers equally. Utopia! So, it has come to my attention that this J.R. Conkle fellow is writing about me. I'm in his books. You simply must read them. They're all about me and my meat monsters. Oh, you really must meet <laughs> my meat monsters. They're so wonderfully moist, flatulent, and gross. You'll simply adore them. So, purchase these books and leave Amazon ratings on them. I'll be watching. Oh, and I recently saw this absolutely revolutionary film, Human Centipede, and I'm dying to try it. Your obedient servants will be given places toward the front of the centipede. Disobey, and I'll place you toward the back. You don't want that, do you? That's my internal dialogue at the DMV. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, J.R. Kunkel's series, uh, the first three of of his Fallen series, are on sale as a bundle on Amazon right now. And things on sale till the 24th for $1.99 to get all three books. So if you haven't gotten Citadel of the Fallen and so on, the first three at least, wanted to try them, now is the time. So, uh, and if, of course, if you read it digitally, you, they have the physical books as well, but that's the digital that are on sale. So, first three books of the Fallen series uh, by J.R. Conkle, 
definitely check them out. But limited time, they're only on sale till the 24th. So go find it. And thank you, JR, for writing that amazing ad copy, really. And, uh, and for providing the underlying music that went with it. Damn. Talk about raising the goddamn bar. Very cool. Uh, we can geek. Yeah, uh, we, yeah, fix your voice. Yeah, yeah, we've... Uh, uh, allow me to, to moisten. I was going to say, that plate bringer's my kind of guy. Moisturize me. <laughs> uh, we kind of touched on this already. Last week, Henry Cavill's time as Superman ended, uh, despite a brief return in Black Adam this year. <laughs> uh, uh, DC Studios heads, Gunn and Saffron, are heading in a different direction. Uh, Hollywood Reporter revealed, though, that... Cavill is set to star in an upcoming Warhander, Warhammer, Warhander, Warhander, Warhander. 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 Oh yeah, that Warhander. uh, I pay. It's a a battle every time. (laughs) The spiky gloves. Uh, A regular hander is enough, but a Warhander, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, They give it their all. Uh, Warhammer 40k series for Amazon, where final talks are now underway to secure the relationship between the streamer and Warhammer creators Games Workshop. No other names are attached to the project at the moment, but Cavill is also set to serve as executive producer on the project, which comes as several major companies work to secure the rights to the franchise for adaptation. Uh, Set 40,000 years in the future, Warhammer's a miniature-driven tabletop game in which a heavily militarized surviving chunk of human civilization does battle with magical creatures and aliens within a vast fantasy-sci-fi hybrid mythology. Uh, The game was first introduced in 1987 and remains the most popular tabletop game of its kind. Uh, Cavill has been public about his Warhammer fandom, even visiting Games Workshop headquarters earlier this year with some heavy, heavy fanning fanning in there. Uh, He released this statement. For 30 years, I have dreamt of seeing a Warhammer universe in live action. Now, after 22 years of experience in this industry, I finally feel that I have the skill set and experience to guide a Warhammer cinematic universe into life. And having a home like Amazon will give us the freedom to be true to the massive scope of Warhammer. To all of you Warhammer fans out there, I promise to respect this IP that we love. I promise to bring you something familiar. And I endeavor to bring you something fantastic that is as of yet unseen. Our first steps are to find our filmmaker, creator, writer. Watch this space, my friends, for the Emperor. Unquote. If you're going to do a Warhammer series, this is who I want to do it. Yeah. Period. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's nobody else out there I would want to do it. He's just how, I, for lack of a better word, coming out as a Warhammer fan. <laughs> um, it has just been an absolute joy to watch not only his embrace and in some cases defense of it in some circles, uh, but just you can tell how into it he really is. Um, and I, I posted a, a meme that someone made out there that the Warhammer series is just Henry Cavill painting for 10 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and I would even watch that. That's just, just fun. That sounds great. Whatever. Yeah. Cavill... Are there YouTube, open book? Do it. Are there YouTube videos of him painting? No. Uh, okay. No, there is not. I was just curious. Not yet. <laughs> there, there, I, supposedly YouTube... he's talked about it in a few epi- yeah. in a few interviews about painting. Oh sure. There's a video oh, yeah. of him yeah. building a computer. Well, I've seen that one, but uh, I didn't know if they because, yeah. like I said, he mentioned it in a, a couple of different interviews prior to this announcement about painting minifigures. So I wondered if there was any videos of him. I hope it. there's when there's battles. 
in the show, they cut to two guys around a table. And they solve it that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry, dude, but that's you're too, too far. Yeah, I right. am, am I? Let so, me get my ruler. Yeah, this dun, dun, string. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, wouldn't it be great if they took that meta approach where something just fucked up and weird happens on the screen and then it backs off to this table and the two guys arguing about a rule. Yeah, oh my God, second. that would be hilarious. And then they, they come to an agreement and go back into it and the show starts up from that point <laughs> and blows up. And the two are the nerdiest people ever yeah, in yeah. like a game shop. And when the main character's like, could you get your shit together? <laughs> Nobody can hear you. Come on, do it. <laughs> so what do you think, uh, Matt Eisenhorn? Oh. No, he said, um, as of yet unseen. So, oh, okay. and someone else is working Eisenhorn. Yeah, is it? Yeah, that's okay. still in development. Games Workshop has been pretty free and lax with their uh, licensing in the last couple of years. Hmm. Nice to see overall, just because they've held it so close to their chest yes. for decades. Yeah. But if it's going to land anywhere, Amazon's where I want it to go now. Mm. Net, what, not, net, I, Netflix and HBO can't be trusted no? with any IP at this point. Not nope. HBO nope. Max, no. No. Nope. No. <laughs> The only one still throwing money with abandon is Amazon, so yeah. that's where I want it. And people are like, "Oh, it's gonna it's gonna do so bad on Amazon." I'm like, "Okay, The Boys, Invincible. What's the other ones? The, the Rings, Rings of Power. Yeah, yeah, The Rings of Power. Yeah. Well, at least it'll get more than one or two seasons. That you is know? true. I mean, you want to? Uh, that's I think the point about Netflix. The Expanse, and of course, oh yeah, The Expanse, yeah. HBO yeah. Max. They uh, saved that. Gone. Yeah, yeah. Go Amazon for the time being. Until yeah, j- Elon j- Musk buys it. Just and, your movie section. Uh, you know, the rest of that. you. Well, he's losing a lot of cash. He could yeah, buy it. All of his stocks. Every day I get the update, it's like, it's down. It's down. It's down. <laughs> devalued, devalued the whole company. Yeah. I love it. There is some catharsis to that, I will say. Yeah. yeah. Peacock announced that it will team up with James Wan's Atomic Monster Banner for a contemporary horror thriller series based on Robert McCammon's 1988 novel, Stinger. The show is said to take place over a 24-hour period in Inferno, Texas, a town rocked by racial tensions, gang violence, and a collapsing economy. The title refers to a cosmic bounty hunter whose mission is to track down an alien fugitive in the American Southwest not only threatens the safety of Inferno, but the entire planet. Uh, During an interview in 1989, the author described the book as an outer space western. Ian McCullough? who did uh, Yellowstone Deputy and Chicago Fire, will write and executive produce, while E.L. Katz, uh, who did The Haunting of Bly Manor and Channel Zero, steps into the role of director. McCammon also serves as executive producer alongside Juan. Alien Bounty Hunter. Sounds like The Hidden. Remember that one? It sounds like Critters to me. Really? Critters was an alien bounty hunter thing? Yeah, the Critters were what the bounty hunters were hunting down. The Krites! It's been a while. Uh, I've read much of Robert McCammon's earlier work. And aside from Stephen King, one of my earliest favorite horror authors. If you haven't read Swan Song, it is a must in horror reading. I like it better than The Stand, and it's that same kind of flavor. Um. I have never read Stinger. That is, I believe it's McCammon's first novel, if my memory serves. That's one of the few I haven't read. That one and Wolf's Hour are the only two I haven't read. Uh, so I'm, I have to uh, dig this one up and uh, revisit McCammon. Uh, McCammon stopped writing for a good while. Uh, he was a horror author, for known for that for a while. And then he started writing some more uh, uh, Southern Gothic stuff and then stopped. 
and then all of a sudden started back up in about 2005, 2006, writing again. It was great to see him come back. He's written a lot since then. Interesting. So it's great to see McCammon's work. That thing's the first time I've ever seen anything of his uh, on the screen for all the things that he's written. Uh, in fact, at one point, I was considering optioning one of his short stories. Uh, he has a short story collection called Blue World, and the title story, Blue World, from it is a non-horror story. It's more <laughs> of a, a psychological thriller, but it's uh, a story about a serial killer and a porno star and a Catholic priest. It's a really, really interesting Sounds story. Sounds like the start of a joke. Right? So I remember wolf. this one. I, you, get, you wrote out like a little treatment and you showed me. Yeah, like, and, I, and I started writing out the screenplay when I was in college. I yeah. started working on the first draft. I remember that. Yeah. God, and, that was like 25 years ago. And, and the reason I did stop is because I found out it was optioned from someone else. Yeah. Someone else was turning it into And they never did anything with it, right? No. So, yeah. so I was uh, looking to reach out and trying to actually turn this into a movie. Oh, um, I'm going to say this on the podcast, so it's kind of in stone. Uh, I'm going to add to Torgo's uh, watch list of movies that he has to watch. Watch? Oh, please. Watch. I can't believe you haven't seen these. What? The, the Hidden. 1987, oh. Kyle MacLachlan. He's an alien bounty hunter, and he teams up with like an with a FBI or a cop or whatever to uh, find this fugitive who possesses people and turns them into like homicidal maniacs. Oh, Jeff, do you agree? Should I see The Hidden? <clears throat> I am. I know I've seen it. I'm struggling to remember anything about it, though. Oh, I don't know. That's something like. Isn't there a scene where 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 the the thing takes over a woman and 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 fucks somebody to death? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. I mean, another it's, movie. that was in the trailer. It is very possible. <laughs> I I have not seen this because this it is, does take over a woman at one point and then is like marveling at its own tits and is like, okay, well that was a quick scene and then just moves yeah. on. Well, I saw Under the Skin because I'm I'm looking at a few screenshots and what I'm like, that? it is not ringing a, a bell. I haven't seen that. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay, so I hadn't seen The Hidden. So should I watch that before Crawl and Escape from New York? You should watch Crawl, <laughs> then Escape from New York. Then the hit. Oh, okay. Okay, well, so is that uh, the list? We got three movies. Joe, on this Joe list? Blow Reviews says it's the best horror movie you've never seen. So, dude, <laughs> I wouldn't steer you wrong on this. Oh, you might. No, uh, you you might. Killer clowns. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with killer. No, I'll that, die on that, this hill. That's only you and I. I'll killer. die on this hill. I will too. I will. Uh, I will. I will join Barry, him. Barry, the and sad Harry thing Perry. is, no, you won't die. Well, it's available <laughs> for. It's available on Amazon Prime Video for $2.99. Oh, is it worth $2.99? Yeah, uh, a, a bargain at double the price. <laughs> uh, 84% of Google users liked this movie. So why does it remain so hidden? I don't know. It's, no! it, it, it is a new line cinema joint, so that would have been like right before they uh, became a little more mainstream. Right before Disney. Yep. So what year did it come out again? 87. 87. So new line house that Freddy built. So okay, post yep. that. Yeah, it's the same same era. Yep. All right. Is there more movies on that list? I can't. There's, there's a, a shit, shit ton of movies There's on those that three. That's it. I've seen <laughs> the rest of them. Someone needs to keep a tally. Yeah, well. That's not me. That's what it's, your list is going to do. <laughs> you've got, you said you have the list. It's now up to you. Somewhere. You volunteered. Oh, yeah. oh. I thought you meant you were going to create a Discord channel. I'm going to add one since, you know, you watched The Notebook and enjoyed it. 
You should uh-huh. watch Pride and Prejudice. And zombies? Ah. No. No. <laughs> the 2005 Kira Knightley version of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, okay. I was going to ask, which one is this? It is my favorite. I have watched it. I can't even tell you how many times. Oh, Kira. Love that movie. I came home the other day and she's watching fucking Pride and Prejudice. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Is that why? one of those things you watch like once a year? Um, Probably, actually. Okay. Yeah. I really... I don't... I've seen a couple of the other versions, the older versions. I just... I really... This one does really well with like music and there's a lot of like more visual scenes to cut between, you know, showing what time of year it is and all those in time. I just, I appreciate the way that this one is done. It's not just like, you know, a Shakespearean or like, you know, oh, Mr. yeah, it's not just reading old English <laughs> and talking. <laughs> your, your pained expression is priceless. Barry. <laughs> Whatever. Have you seen the bearing? No. Well, maybe you should. No. Todd, you just make your Barry's list. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh. I, you, I watch one from your list, and you watch one from mine. I don't throw things on your list I think you would loathe. <laughs> I throw legit movies that I'm truly shocked that you have not viewed. I am putting things on the list that I think would bring you and Deb closer together as a couple. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally fine with him not liking that movie. <laughs> As long as he lets me watch it. That's all I care about. Let you? The fuck? Wow. <laughs> you know what, what I mean? What the fuck power do I have over you? Watch. Dude, yeah. if you had not said anything. Yeah, you we know, already the, know the power dynamic. The of this universe might have been like, oh, wow. Okay. You, you come home, you're like, you watch the movie again, huh? Looks like Barry's getting the belt out. Yeah, what the <laughs> Deb gets get in the closet. He pulls Deb. out the belt, his pants fall down. He's like, God, shit. <laughs> I just got this visual in my head. It made me laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah, she's watching that. I'm like, all right, great. I'm going to go play video games. Yeah, right. okay. One of the many reasons why we got a second TV and a second gaming system. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, English period pieces are on the main TV. She's got tissues in front of her. I'm like, okay, it's Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> and Barry's got tissues in front of him, but it's totally different. <laughs> <laughs> just, you just hear from the other room. Hey, Dad, where's the lotion? <laughs> Never mind. Found it. Those Warhanders are expensive. Warhander. 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 Oh, God. Death Stranding, the post-apocalyptic PlayStation game that took star Norman Reedus on an extended sci-fi walk across a fractured American landscape. Oh, you mean you mean the backpack game? Yes. That's the one where you the have to ba- game and the- balance the backpack and walk. You have like a lot. 20 tons Yes. That's it? That's you're, the game? You're a mailman walking across <laughs> Pretty much. an apocalyptic Il land. Postino. <laughs> it's one of those, like, com- you make choices, but it's more like conversational experience and not action. And not it's e- one of those not, games. Not even a lot of conversational stuff. It's a lot of walking. I didn't make it very far. I was like, nope, off. Boy. I made it further than him. It was walking. <laughs> 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 it's being developed as a film. Oh, my God. <laughs> With the full involvement of legendary game creator Hideo Kojima. Okay, okay, okay. And his Kojima Productions banner alongside Alex Lebovici's Hammerstone Studios. The same production house behind the the horror hit Barbarian in 2020's Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, Though the uh, plot for the movie adaptation is so far a well-guarded secret. It's not that well-guarded. It's going to be walking. I know. (laughs) Is, is Norman in it? Uh, you know what? Don't know. Or is it just the world? 
and uh, not the character. It could, it could very well be. And there is, I will say, they did create an interesting world that I was quite fascinated by. Uh, what I hated was being dragged around the earth by long black tentacle stalks <laughs> in an uncontrolled manner. It was weird. Everybody hates that. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Uh, Deadline reports that it will introduce new elements and characters within the Death Stranding universe. So no writer, director, or release target has yet been revealed for the film, uh, whose announcement comes days after Kojima shared he's already working on Death Stranding 2, video game sequel, which is set to arrive as a PlayStation 5 console exclusive. Death Stranding has its champions. Some people absolutely love this game. But if you're playing the game, you have to know what you're getting into, and you have to have a patient mindset to, I think, properly enjoy it. I'm going to hate it. I was going to yeah. say, in other words, Barry would hate yeah. it. Yeah, this no way. no way Barry would like this game. Uh, I did want to continue on playing it, but uh, I got tired of walking. So it's not one of those, once you get there, you can fast travel. No, there is no that's, fast that's travel uh, in this game. It's like real time. Fun <laughs> fact. I'll have you know that I am on my uh, Skyrim playthrough. I am playing the endurance version where oh. there's no fast travel. Fuck all of that. I, I agree. As a, as a massive fan of Skyrim, no. Holy crap. It's oh, and, and in the cold weather will kill you. Yeah, he keeps dying. Holy crap. It's tough. Hard, I, yeah, you know what? After you telling me this, maybe you will like Death Stranding. No, no, no. I, I only like that because I like <laughs> Skyrim a lot, and this is like my tenth playthrough. I don't mind walking or riding some kind of vehicle or animal to open up an area, right. but after that's open, there goddamn better be fast travel because yeah. sometimes, when, especially if you're doing like the main storyline, you got to go all the way back to where you started, and that can take. Days in real time. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, literally days. I don't even like walking around my neighborhood because I've seen it before. Right. I drive everywhere. Well, you also work from home, so. Well, you know, if I have have to drive up the street for something, you know. Okay. So so maybe in the Geek Shock games, when we start making games, one of the things we're going to have to do is like this walking game, except we drive. It's called a driving game, then. Yeah. Then we're playing pool position. Okay, thanks. Pole position? And I beat you all. Is that a Warhander thing? Sounds more and more like... uh, It's an old man racing game. Penn and Teller's bus simulator. (laughs) (laughs) That fucking game. Michael Mann's 1983 film The Keep is getting a remake from horror legend Greg Greg Nicotero. Uh, If nothing with Greg Nicotero, he did The Walking Dead and recreated the new creep show for uh, uh, Shudder. Uh, the film is based on the book by F. Paul Wilson. Uh, for those of you who haven't read the book or seen the original film, and that's probably most of you, uh, here, I, I've seen that movie, at least. That's okay. Um, uh, here's a description. Something is murdering my men. Thus reads, the message received from a Nazi commander stationed in a small castle high in the remote Transylvanian Alps. Invisible and silent, the enemy selects one victim per night, leaving the bloodless and mutilated corpses behind to terrify its future victims. When an elite SS extermination squad is dispatched to solve the problem, the men find something that's both powerful and terrifying. Panicked, the Nazis bring a local expert on folklore, who just happens to be Jewish, to shed some light on the mysterious happenings, and unbeknownst to anyone, there is another visitor on his way, a man who awoke from a nightmare 
and immediately set out to meet his destiny. Uh, the Keep, as a movie, not great. Uh, but the original novel is based on was really, really good. F. Paul Wilson, in general, is a really good author. If you haven't discovered him, both as the uh, horror author and in the Repairman Jack series, especially, uh, highly recommend both of them. So I'm excited that this is getting another chance to be good, especially in the hands of Greg, Greg Nicotero. Uh, I can say he's a guy that can do no wrong because he's been involved with Walking Dead as time's gone on. So he's, you know, he's, whether you like or dislike Walking Dead, it's somewhat Nicotero's fault. But uh, The Keep, it's one of those things that's like where we say, you know, if you're going to remake something, remake something that's not so great, this is one of them. Hmm. I did not know that was a Michael Mann joint. Right? Yeah, there's... It, it falls apart at the end. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, there's I, some interesting stuff. I vaguely remember. remember. I saw it when I was a... A know. Michael Mann film that falls apart at the end? <laughs> yeah, oh, what? Weird. No, weird. Never happens. What Where's other it? films has Michael Mann did <laughs> that I would know about? Uh, More recent or long term? The biggest names. What the hell? What the oh, hell? You guys can't even name one? Yeah, well, I mean, he did the, the, the Miami Vice movie. From a few years back. That and, of course, he was the man behind Miami Vice yeah. on TV. And uh, the uh, Manhunter, which is uh, the first of the, kind of, sort of, first of the Hannibal, uh, the Cannibal series, mm. where Hannibal's a side character, though. The, the, probably the one you most know him for is Heat. Heat. Uh, uh, that's yeah. that was his there you biggest. Go. The one that was his that, biggest of all of his films. Uh, Collateral was also his. That uh, was really good. Um, Collateral was yeah. Blind, um, blinded by the light uh, was really really good. Uh, although people mishear the lyric, they think it's uh, uh, wrapped up like a douche, but something rev, revved up like, like a douche. That's, that's Manfred Mann. Oh, I'm sorry. I. I I was wondering the where the hell you were going with that. <laughs> that song popped out my head as soon as I said that. Right? <laughs> well, as soon as, you popped, as soon as you said Miami Vice, I got Crockett's theme in my head now. Yeah, man's films are very hit or miss. I mean, I'm just looking back through the list and remembering, I'm like, oh, I wasn't really fond of that one either. I mean, it's weird, too, because Last of the Mohicans, I believe, was Oscar nominated. But if you watch the film, it's not a very good film. Uh, what? At least I don't. I particularly don't think it is. I love that movie. Um, you know, gosh, I'm trying to think what else. Um, well, I mean, he also was involved in every which way but loose, which is the you know, probably his magnum opus. Yeah, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. He was involved in that. Too, thank you. Well, so. thank you. I like the way you're saying he's involved. It 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 always it depends on whether you're talking director, writer, or producer. Right. So that's. That's the the strange like because he was I believe a writer on the Aviator, which is a Scorsese film, mm. which is a really good film. Yeah. But yeah, when you start getting into things that he directed, like say Hancock or you know, you know, Public Enemies was another one that I just thought was kind of eh. right. Uh, but you know, like I said, he he wrote and directed that, and that was like mm -hmm. probably his magnum opus. So Public Enemies was Capone, right? Uh, no, that was, um, Dillinger. Uh, it's Johnny Depp, yeah. Okay, Dillinger. Marshall Dillinger. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, so whether you like him or hate him, uh, Manfred Mann is going to be in part of that. 
Anyway. Donald Glover is set to star and produce a movie for Sony Pictures. It will be based on the obscure Spider-Man villain, Hypno Hustler. What the what? What? Who? The character was created by Bill Mantlo, the writer who also created Rocket Raccoon, and artist Frank Springer. The character is described as a, quote, jive-talking black soul disco singer who uses his goggles and evil boots of death to hypnotize music lovers along with his backup band, The Mercy Killers. Okay, I'm on board. Uh, Hypno Hustler first appeared in Peter Parker, <laughs> The Spectacular Spider-Man number 27 in 1978. And the film is being written by Miles Murphy, son of actor and comedian Eddie Murphy. Well, there you go. Huh. I just, I hear that and I, I picture Alan Tudyk going, uh, skip me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of those things, if Donald Glover's involved, yes. whether it's in film, television, or music, I'm there. Yeah, yeah. I, I love everything that he's done so far, so I'm kind of, this is what he wants to do. Yeah, sure. I'm giving it a take, shot. Take something horribly misguidedly racist and let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you? What happens to you? Write us comments at geekshockpodcast.com. Nothing happens to Matt. This is true. We, we have absolute <laughs> evidence. Wow. <laughs> Weekly this evidence. Yeah. He's like, I got nothing. And I want to give a special thank you to all of our Kofi members. It, there are lots of things that you could subscribe to in this world, uh, and you choose to include us in that. And I can't tell you how much that means to us, to, supporting our little show uh, versus all the a lifetime of a Hustler magazine or whatever else you're into. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why that look, Kay? Is that... Oh. Hulu. Hulu is what I meant to say. Hulu, oh, okay. Hulu yeah, yeah, is what Hulu. I meant to Kirsten say. Kirsten was like, I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I especially want to pay uh, thanks to our, our Tier 1 members, Sir Chomps, Highland Scoop, Chad Wilson, Ambivalent Hoax, Richard Bruins, Scoopatron, Mandy, Sour Matty D, Jacob Flora, Multiverse Tonight, Scully, Mr. Dumbledave, Froyog Softserve, Gil, Matthew Bates, and Earth7 John B., and of course, our tier four members King Vault, Deb T, David Farrar, Atomic Gumby, GR Conkle, and our tier five members Leon Mitt, Jeff Harris, Aussie Matt, Mad Martin, and Glumley. And a special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. Song's called Burning Light. You can find his music at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And our red light, green light theme writer is Justin Nozick, aka Froyog Softserve. You can find his music at theplaguephysicians.bandcamp.com. And a special thank you to Pat for giving me celery. And, of course, <laughs> you, dear listener, thank you. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Maple Leaf Matt. Blarg. And Deb. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. And I'll make sure Torgo eats his celery. Uh, no, you won't. You will and eat that celery. I will look at it. You can it. use it as a spoon for peanut butter. This is true, but I'll just suck the peanut butter right off. It will actually be a spoon. Dude, no. They gotta have that nice crunch. That nice celery crunch with the peanut butter. This celery has been sitting in room temperature now for a few (laughs) hours. You think this has crunch now? Put it back in the fridge. Yeah. It'll be fine. Cut it up and put it in salad. It'll recover. I like the idea of just planting it. There you go. Yeah. What are you going to do with it? You gonna Give it for my Christmas gifts next year, all of its little babies. <laughs> plant it in your mouth. It'll die in the summer anyway. It'll get too hot. Yep, I know exactly where we can plant it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Up your ass.
Whoa, Deb! I meant like in a planter. Jeez. I don't know what you're talking about. Gracious, what the heck? I went to our tradition and said, where did that come from? I can't believe this. You guys are rubbing off on me. I can't, I'm sorry. Yikes. Your fault, not mine. Yeah, she's wow. a lot fouler than she was like, what, <laughs> like 14 years ago. Well, yeah. I don't know. I think we can blame you for that. <laughs> there is that. I'll accept it. As Man from Ben said, uh, teach your children well. What? Oh, Stop. God. With the Manford Man. <laughs> yeah. Get the song I had. I got the Jan Hammer's uh, Crockett's theme. Ah, Just yes. on a loop in my head. Oh, good. Can I sing that now? No, 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 no. That's the Miami Vice theme. Crockett's theme is different. Okay, you're just saying. You're just doing, you don't even know what you're singing. Someone's got to do the drums. That's all that's going to kill. That's the Yan Hammer Miami Vice theme. Yes. I'm talking about Crockett's theme. Yeah, sing that for me. I can't. Yes, I can't. I won't. Yes. I will Crockett? not. In that case, the Crockett theme is. I'm sorry, Yan Hammer. I'm sorry. Isn't the Crockett theme Davy, Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier? That was a Manfred Man joint. Yeah. There you go.